0: Good morning. Morning. Uh, my name is Derek. You will see me up here from time to time, um, but we will be in First Thessalonians chapter two today. So if you'd like to cha- uh, turn there, and uh, <clears throat> what a—I mean—timely prayer as Katie prayed is, and it's—it's it's really where we're going. She said a, two things there, and. Just that we would um, not just receive, but pour it out the word, and not just pour it out, but pour it out correctly in, in a way um, that would glorify the Lord. And really, that's that's where we're going to be going uh, in this chapter today. <clears throat> we're going to see Paul's conduct with the Thessalonians and how he shared the gospel with them, and and, and what steps he took to share the gospel with them, and. Um, So that's where we're going to be going. Um, Let me pray and then we will hop right in here. So, Father, I just thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity to just come together and to uh, speak of you and to share your word, Lord. And uh, we just pray that you would be heard here today, Lord, that your words would go forth and that our ears and our hearts would be open and willing And ready to receive what it is you have for us, Lord. Um, Whatever challenges they may be, Lord. Whatever encouragements they may be, Lord. May we receive them, Lord. And and not just receive them, but pour them out, Lord. Um, Freely give them as we've been given uh, today, Lord. So we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, So I'd like to start, actually, by reading the last two verses of chapter 2. Because it's it's where we're going to be going. Um, And we need to have this kind of on the forefront of our minds as we go through this text. So uh, verse 19 says this, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. So as we start to go through this text, we're really going to see Paul's heart towards the Thessalonians and his heart towards sharing God's word with them. Um, and, and, it's, and it's in a way that gives brings them hope, joy, and this crown of rejoicing. Um, and he says that you are our glory and our joy. So we really will get to see Paul's heart and how it so reflects Jesus Christ in this chapter. Um, if we hop over to... I'll hop over and I'll read it. But one of my favorite chapters uh, in the Bible probably the favorite chapter of mine in the Bible, is John 17. And it's Jesus' high priestly prayer. Now at the end of it, um, I'm going to read verses 20 to 26. We'll really see Jesus' heart towards, towards us. So it starts out by saying this, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them. That they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, and you in me. That they may be made perfect in one. That the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me uh, where I am. That they may behold my glory, which you have given me you loved me before the foundations of the world. O oh, righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it. That uh, the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. Now that is Jesus' heart for us. Um, and a couple things that, that, that stick out in, in, those, in those words of Jesus there is, is there's a oneness and eternal life that he desires for all of us um, when we come to him. He desires that we would be one as he is one with the Father, that we would be one with Jesus in that way. But not only in that, but we would receive Him and, and, and receive this eternal life um, that comes from being in that oneness with Him. And that's Jesus' heart. And we'll see that in this text, we'll see that that's Paul's heart in his and that he so reflects Jesus in this in the way that he's going to present the gospel to the Thessalonians. <clears throat> Um, it 's out of a joy, uh, but that joy it comes from within it comes from something that we have from within, and, and it 's not just happiness but it 's a joy and you know I liken it to sharing the gospel so I mean for those that know me, uh, I like to to shoot I like guns I, I enjoy shooting um, it 's no surprise if you get to know me a little bit, but I acquired a uh, shotgun the other weekend, and um, by doing so. I had a friend that I knew was kind of into like wants to get into like bird hunting and things like that. And uh, it was really intrigued with shotguns. Um, so I told him that I got it and I invited him out that weekend. I was like, hey, come out. Like, let's go and shoot. Uh, you know, I really like shooting. Like, and, I, and I like to share it with others that um, of my friends and people that enjoy it, too. So, it really brought me joy to be able to take him out and do something that he's been wanting to do and something that I enjoy doing and sharing it with him. It really brought me a joy. Uh, and it, it's undescribed. Like, I like to just take people and teach them those things. And in the same way, we should be with the Word of God. Like, this truly brings us joy. Like, to those that believe in Jesus Christ, to those that have received him and walk in his ways, um, there is a joy, there is a peace, there is a love, there is an understanding that we get to be a part of, and that it should be so boiling within us that we desire to share it with those around us. Um, and that's what we're going to see in Paul here. Uh, that it so consumed him with this love that he just wanted to pour it out to these Thessalonians. And that's truly what, what gave him uh, his joy, was being able to share it. So we'll begin here in... Uh, so that's kind of where we're going, um, just so you know. Uh, and then, so we'll begin here in chapter two, 1 Thessalonians, uh, verse one. So it starts out like this: For you, for you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain, but even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in which in much conflict. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. Now, Paul here starts off with reminding and addressing um, really something that's been coming at Paul since he's shared there at Thessalonians, at uh, Thessalonia. Um, People... The religious leaders in that town, the religious leaders at the time, would accuse Paul of coming in a way that was something other than just freely giving the gospel, than freely giving um, the truth to them. Uh, They would claim that he came in deceit or in error or uncleanness. So Paul's got to kind of not defend himself to them because they know in which, but he's reminding them like, that I did not come in this way, but I did come in this way. And we'll get to the way that he came later on. Um, but the the what he's talking about there in verse 2, it says, But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, um, as you know, we were bold to come to you and speak God's word. <clears throat> now, that it, what he's talking about is back in Acts uh, chapter 16. Uh, you, you can read it if you haven't read it. It's really good. Um, but what ha- ends up happening there is him and Sylvanas, um, they end up casting a demon out of this girl who's demon-possessed. And by doing so, anger the people that were making money off this, off this girl. Because she was possessed with a demon. And what it was, was she was like a fortune teller. Like, she would tell people's like fortunes and things like that. Um, but she would go around and just... was kind of annoying, really. She would just be like, these are the men of God, men of God, men of God. And kind of just like blowing up their spot, in a sense... Um, kind of like, they were coming, they wanted to present the gospel by not only their words, but their actions. But but this girl was just following them around and, and saying, you know, these are the men of God, men of God, men of God. And kind of just like, really not helping them out. So they cast out this demon, and then by doing so, angered some people, and then they throw them in jail. Uh, so they're in jail, um, but what's ends up happening is they get beat, they get put in jail, um, you know, and, and spitefully treated. That's what he's saying, like like... We were spitefully treated, we are treated wrong for doing just what's right. Um, and that's what he's trying to say there, is, is, is that even though we were beaten, even though we were jailed, all these things, it didn't stop us from giving God's word. Um, and we can look for ourselves, like the things that happen in life, either being persecuted, either being made fun of by um, unbelievers or, you know, uh, or being ridiculed by, by unbelievers, um, You know, I can't say that many of us get beat here for our belief, but you know, it could happen. You know, you don't, and I'm sure it has happened um, here, but in other countries, you know, for sure, definitely being beat and tortured for their beliefs. Um, But he's saying like that didn't stop us, and he says that they were still bold to bring his gospel, still bold to bring the word of God, and that boldness really comes from. Knowing the truth. Like Paul, it really came from him knowing the truth and where he was going. Really knowing the gospel and having it for himself. John 15, uh, 18 says, If the world hated you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. And that was Jesus um, uh, sharing that with his disciples. So we can look to that and just know, like, we can go to his word and, and know that he's, he's already set us up for success. And how does he do that? He, he gives us the answers to the test of life. Uh, you know, by reading that, you know, by Paul knowing that, he's like, I'm, I'm doing it right because these people are hating me because they hated Jesus first. Like, he can look to the life of Jesus and see that it was actually reflective of Jesus' life, what Paul was doing in the time, and see that... You know, they first hated him, so of course they're going to hate me. The world, the world is going to hate us for um, sharing the truth. So that boldness really comes from understanding God's word, understanding where we stand with him, understanding the love that he has for us, um, and understanding, you know, what Jesus says and about, you know, how the world is going to treat us. You know, it, it, that boldness comes from knowing the truth, the truth of God's word. And, and Paul knew it. Um, so he was still bold to come to them, even though this happened. Uh, he was still bold to come to these Thessalonians. It didn't, it didn't hinder him. And it shouldn't hinder us. You know, the things of, of uh, things that happened, either persecution or anything, that were to keep us, that could keep us down, shouldn't keep us down. But it, we should go back to God's Word to receive that boldness to continue on. And as we see here in verse 3, it says, For, exhortation, for our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. And that's what really, you know, the world likes to twist... Uh, likes to twist our message. Likes to twist it into either um, some type of selfish gain or out of, or it's wrong or uh, it's uh, deceitful. Like, the world would love to twist it because they don't understand it. Um, and really, that's why. And so he's saying, like, I didn't come in this way. Like, you know... You know that I did not come in this way. So, as he continues on in verse 4 to 6, he says, But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, Either from you or other, or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. So he steps. He, he continues on in here, and he, and he and he lays out to them really what I see as four examples of the way in which the world would come to you to one of us f- with something, uh, and those things are pleasing, man, flattering words. You know, a cloak for covetousness. And glory from men, and he lays it out there that you know these are these are the ways that in which the world would come with the message. These are the ways that the world would come to us um, with these you know secret motives behind behind it. Um, But it's not so in how uh, Paul comes. It's not so how we come with the message of God. Um, But in verse four, there it says that we have been approved. By God, and we had been entrusted with the gospel, and really, those two words stuck out there um, approved you know how how could could Paul say that he was approved by god well we 're approved by God by the blood of Jesus Christ. We know our approval in in sharing the Word of God by understanding. Receiving the receiving of, of the blood of Jesus and where we stand in that. So we are approved by God. Paul is approved by God by the blood of Jesus Christ. But not only that, after that, we are entrusted with the gospel. In Matthew 28, um, 18 through 20 is this. And it's, for those that know it, it's the Great Commission. And Jesus says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples for all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. (laughs) So, when we read that, we can liken it to entrusting because he then entrusts us with the word of God. Like we are saved by his blood, but then we are entrusted. It's a responsibility. Really, Jesus, what he's saying there is it's now it's a responsibility. that as, as you have received, now go and give and make disciples um, in the same way that you were made into a disciple. Uh, it's a responsibility. And, and with this great power, you know, being cleansed by his blood, comes great responsibility. Um, there is to be an action behind it. There is to be a, uh, a working out as in a... Working out in that it produces something within us, you know, it, it produces a joy within us so overwhelming that it that it has to come out, that it has to be shared. Um, so we are approved by God and we are entrusted with the gospel. It's a responsibility of ours to go out and to share. So Paul's saying, you know, I came to you in no other way than being approved by God and with the responsibility. To share this, this, this free gift that I've given, the responsibility to share this with you, um, not by pleasing man, not by flattering words, not by a cloak of covetousness or, or or glory from men. And if we see, you know, he's contrasting to the way the world would come. And I don't know if you guys know. I mean, I'm sure you all know, but uh, Mark Zuckerberg. For all of you that don't know him, I find that hard to believe. But he. <laughs> Because he created Facebook, and I am—I I would bet that 99% of us in here have a Facebook. Uh, it's just kind of where our world's at, you know, now. Um, but, so Mark Zuckerberg, uh, a little bit ago, he ended up donating $75 million to San Francisco General Hospital, right? Uh, now, in doing so, you know, the world looks on, and they're like, oh, that's great, you know, like... And it's good. You know, it's good that he's donating this money to this hospital. I'm not saying that that's wrong. But I'm saying in the way in which the world would, uh, would approach that and reasons why behind that that are, that are other than selflessness, I mean, if you look at that, they ended up naming the hospital Mark Zuckerberg and Priscilla, no, Mark and Priscilla, because his wife was a part of it too, Mark and Priscilla Zuckerberg, San Francisco General Hospital. They now rename the hospital, not just San Francisco General Hospital, but they put his name on it. You know, seeking glory from men, you know. Um, and, you know, more so now, I mean, I read this news or article recently, but more so now, he needs this news article to be out there because of the conflict that's going on with Facebook that don't know, with the, you know, breaches of security and the sharing of information, all those things. Like, he needs people to remember that his name's on a hospital. No, I gave $75 million. Like, I'm not this bad guy. Um, and, and it could be, you know, a cloak of covetousness, because, you know, he's going to get a really nice tax break, you know, from donating that $75 million. You know, so it's not just, like, we look at humanitarian work, and it's not just from this total selfless thing, you know, it, but it's, it's there's, there's things behind it, you know, there's pleasings of men, there's flattering words, you know, there's, there's cloaks of covetousness, there's glory that, um, for themselves, you know, having his name on a hospital, you know, and this hospital is world-renowned, like, it's not just some... You know, it's sorry, it's not just like, you know, a Kalispell Hospital or something, you know. But, like, people know San Francisco General Hospital. So now they're going to know Zuckerberg South San Francisco General Hospital. You know, his name's going to be out there. Um, so, like, and that's how the world comes. Like, but that's how the world comes. And, and they come with these ploys and with these things. And And really, the religious people in that time... We're accusing Paul of this because it's really hard for the world to understand that we would come and give freely for any other reason than ourselves. You know, than for self-gain, than for self-promotion, or, or anything like that. It's hard for them to believe. But, uh, really, it says, in, you know, in, in verse 4, the last part of it, it says, But God... Who tests our hearts. And Paul can stand there confidently saying, I did not come to you in these ways, but I came to you for selfless, for just for the pure purpose of sharing God's word, so that you can have the same joy that I have. Um, And he says that from standing behind the Lord, in a sense, standing behind like God knows our hearts in the way in which we came to you. Uh, I don't need to defend myself to man or anything or any other. Any other person on this world except God knows my heart. God knows our hearts. So Paul says, you know, they can twist it into all that they want, but you know, you know the way in which I came to you, and God knows. And really, you know, we're accountable to someone way more in pers- way more important than man. You know, we're all accountable to God uh, in our actions, in, in, in our approaches uh, to people, and, and especially in the way that we share the Word of God, because really, what this comes down to, um, and really what we're going to, what we're stepping into in this next part of this chapter, is um, the way in which we should share the gospel, the way in which um, our lives should show the gospel, and the way in which we should approach an unbeliever with the gospel. Because you know, there's one of uh, of of two ways, and I've actually, you know have done two ways you know you can beat someone over the head with the bible and say you know you're doing this wrong you're doing that wrong you're doing this wrong you know and this is what's right and this is what you should be doing blah blah blah. and then oh yeah jesus loves you okay see you you know let me just throw that in there and and it doesn't help anyone you know it doesn't help yourself it doesn't help the person that's really there struggling you know uh in their life i was you know i was guilty of this with my own sister actually um uh, my older sister, and, you know, I was just calling her out for some things and, you know, saying, like, I see this, this, and this in your life, and, and it, it didn't end well. Uh, we ended up not, <laughs> we didn't talk for a little while after that. You know, we're talking now, you know, praise God. Uh, and, you know, I've actually changed my approach now, especially to my family, because they see my life, and they they saw me before, and they see me now. It's just going to take time for my life to preach to them, um, I've really changed my approach with them. And it, it came down to this. If they ask me, I'm going to speak. But other than that, I'm going to allow my life to speak before them. Uh, I'm going to have them watch me with my wife and my kid um, and, and, and the life that I'm living up here. I'm going to allow them to watch and, and to look on and to, to take note of the changes in my life and then allow that to speak. And then one day, you know, they'll have a question and they'll come and then I'll share you know? But I'm not going to go and, and call them out for every little thing that's wrong because, it's at that point it's it's casting pearls before swine. You know they're not going to understand. They're not going to understand the truth behind the words. You know, especially if there's no love in there. You know, and there was love because I love you know I love my sister and everything. But there was like love out of kind of anger. You know, of just like you need to get this and it was just bad. It was really bad. <laughs> so, but needless to say, I learned. And this chapter really. Um, has shown me and taught me a lot in the way and approach of how we approach someone with the with the with the gospel, and we'll actually get into that uh, right now. So, verses, I'm going to read verses seven to twelve. It says, "But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God." But also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preached to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children. That you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So really what Paul hops into here is, is he likens his coming to them as a mother and a father. You know, And that first part there, as he likens it to a mother, he says, But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. And, you know, praise God, the Lord has made me a father before coming to this text because I can actually share some things from, you know, my life. And it's and, and really what I see here is I can see Kendra in the way in which, you know, when Judah was born and when I cut that umbilical cord and when the nurse cleaned him up and then gave him to, uh, to Kendra, just really seeing that gentle grab, that cherishing hold, that cherishing look Um, And if we could define the word cherishing it, and it's a protect, uh, to protect and to care lovingly. So really just that protecting hold and and that loving look into his eyes. And and even today, you know, uh, she'll send me pictures of time to time with her just rocking him and then giving him like a little kiss on the head. Uh, And really, like, you can ask her, I ask her to send me pictures all the time just because it just, I love seeing her with him, you know, and it's, And that's that's what he's likening it to, as a mother with her child, um, gently, gently how we how you would see a mother um, take care of her child. I mean, it's we all have had mothers. You know, some of us are mothers, um, some of us are fathers, and we've seen just the way in which, I mean, there's nothing like a mother's touch. You know, there's nothing like a mother's love for her child. you know i try to I try to come close to it in the way in which she treats Judah and loves him you know but i can 't there's just a unique bond between a mother and a child and that 's what he 's trying to say here is there 's a unique bond that he had there's there 's this gentle character in which the mother has tortured children that 's what we are to have towards the unbelievers towards those that don 't believe because When he came to the Thessalonians, he came to share the word because they didn't know the gospel. So he came to share it with them gently in a way of which that it would come softly to them, that it wouldn't scare them, that it wouldn't off-put them, but in a way in which that love would come forth. You know, love would be shown. And you can see that in the way a mother treats her child. And that's what he's saying to do, um, to treat it in that way. Because... you know if you come to someone who doesn't believe in 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 Christ right you come to share the word with them and you see the uh symptoms you know you look at someone's life you see the symptoms of the problem in their life you know you see the, either the drug addiction or the abuse or the um, you know the anger all these things you see the way in which the person is is acting right But they're acting that way and they're doing those things because of something very much deeper that's going on within them. Um, You know, there's something going on within their hearts, within their being that is having them to fill it in that way. You know, and and what it comes down to is there's a void, right? There's something within our hearts that is missing. um, And what's missing is Jesus. But what we tend to fill it with is either, you know, Things of the world, let it be money, let it be you know drugs, let it be this, let it be that. Um, and so we see the symptoms so we look on to people. But if we go to them in this harsh way of addressing the symptoms, um, it's not going to help them in the end. Um, it would, if we come to them gently as someone who's loving them and, and who can see through the symptoms and see into the heart and to see the real problem, which is that, that, that emptiness, that void that is there that they're trying to fill. If we can get to that issue is when we can really start to help them, you know, is is that's when it was. That's when I was really helped. You know, when, when people saw through the issues, when they saw through the symptoms, but they saw the hurt um, little boy in there that had abandonment issues, that had um, you know insecurities, that had all these things that had a, had a void in there that was I was he was trying to fill with other things. And when he, when they saw through to that, and they shared Jesus from a heart of love and, and gentleness, and, and really a cherishing, a caring to to protect, you know, uh, in that way of, of, no, there really is someone, you know, that loves you. There really is someone um, that wants to get you out of this, that wants to give you a better life, that wants to give you life eternal. You know, there's really someone, and that someone is Jesus, you know, that someone, you know, you don't have to do these things. You don't have to go and and fill yourself with the things of the world, but you can fill yourselves with the only thing that can really fill you, and that is Jesus Christ. so to come gently, you know, as, as a mother. And and verse 8, it says, So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to you, to any of you. Uh, we preach to you the gospel of God. So again, what he's saying here in verse 8 is we not only shared the word of God with you, but we shared our lives with you. Um, and really what Paul is, is is pointing to here is that um, when he came to, Thess- to the Thessalonians, you know, Paul's a tent maker, right? Uh, so he came to them in a way of... of He would wake up early, do his tent making things and and make the money that he needed to make to be able to support himself to then to be able to preach later on in the day to give them the word of God. And that's what he's saying here is, is, I didn't come to you seeking anything from you other than laying my life down to give you the answer to life, which is the gospel. Uh, And we can see that in even in uh, in a mother. Like I remember... uh, just the early, you know, when Judah was an infant, the early times of just, you know, the late nights, the the waking up in the middle of the nights, so really laying their lives down, like a mother lays her life down for a a child, a, a baby, in a way that's so sacrificial that it that it's hard to grasp. Because when he's when he's crying there at night, you know, and he's crying and crying, and and I know the thing that he wants is he wants to be fed, and really she's the only one that can help him out, like. <laughs> I roll over, and I see her, and and she's get she gets up, you know, she hears that cry, and it's like she, it's like almost before they cry, they're out of bed, you know, and they're going towards it, because like they hear it, and they know, it's just like this sixth sense thing, um, but, you know, I roll over, and I look, and she's in the rocker, and she's there with him, and she's feeding him, like, and, and then, you know, she comes back to to bed, and it's no more than five ten minutes later. He's crying again, and she's out the door, and she's going. and And then the next morning, she wakes up, and she's had about thirty to an hour, you know, thirty minutes to an hour of sleep, and she's continue on in the day of taking care of him. You know, um, and Paul says here that we may not be a burden to you. And I'm going to say this, and it's going to you got to hear what I'm saying here. You're like I'm not saying that children are burdens, but what I'm saying is that. You know, they are the parent's responsibility. They are the parent's, for lack of better words, burden in the sense of, you know, when we go to the grocery store with Judah and everything. I'm not saying, hey, hey, buddy, you got, you know, you got this today. You know, you got the, you got the grocery bill today. Did you bring your money? Did you bring, you know, did you get paid this week? It's like, it's no, you know. And when we go to get him clothes, it's not like, hey, buddy, you got this or oh, you're gonna get mom a shirt today. You know, it's just like. It's not that you know the child is very much so in the care of the of the parent you know and and uh you know at least until eighteen and then eighteen then they're out the door and you know <laughs> I taught you something, so go and hopefully <laughs> um, but that's what paul's saying here he 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 treated them as 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 his own children, you know you know we're to care for this world we're to care for those that don't understand. The truth as as our own children you know as as so designed to share with them and give them the opportunity to succeed you know to share the word of God in such a way that they could succeed with it you know I, I don't want to come in any other way that would be a stumbling block to them and he knew he knew like Paul was called to do this you know in in Luke 10 you know Jesus sends out uh the 77, 75, the, he sends out the disciples and he says, you know, go, go into the town. Um, and if a, if a person would, cut, would take you in, have them take you in and, you know, eat the food, drink the water, you know, allow them to take care of you and, and share with them the word of God, you know, because a worker is worthy of his wages. So I, I'm not saying that, you know, um, missionaries and, and people in ministry, um, you know, shouldn't be supported. But what I'm saying is Paul was, Paul was called by God in this time to work in this way because he knew that the religious people of the time, uh, you know, the, the worldly people of the time would use it as a way to say, no, you were doing this for personal gain. And he didn't want to give them any type of foothold in that. He didn't want to give the enemy any type of, of, of room in anyone's life to rob them of the gospel in that way, so Paul took it upon himself to be that tent maker to make that money to to do what he needed to do to then be able to share the gospel in a way of which i 'm not asking anything in return for this, you know, and he was called to that, you know, and there are those that are called to that, you know um, so i didn 't want that to get you know misconstrued there, but you know he, he but what he 's saying is is we are to love these people. You know, I loved you as a mother loves her child, you know I, I, I took you on as that burden as, as a parent takes on the burden of, of raising a child, you know, the time sacrifice, the, the financial strain, the, all those things, you know, uh, I took you on because of love for you, because because so affectionately uh, so affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart it to you. So, like, his, just his passion behind sharing the gospel with people. Really, that's what he's, he's reminding them here of. And as we continue on, in verse 10, it says, "'You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a Father does his own children.'" that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And, you know, for the fathers out there, he didn't forget about us. So he's going to give us some props here. But first he says, you know, you are our witnesses and God also. So like, you know, and God knows that we were devout before you. That we were just before you, and that we were blameless before you in our behavior. Um, it's a very bold statement to make, you know, it's, and one that we should all be able to make, you know, in our own walks. And and uh, and that word "blameless" there—like we can look at blameless, and we can think like it wasn't that Paul was perfect; it wasn't that his that he was perfect in himself, but he was blameless. In the blood of Jesus Christ, he came um, blameless in Jesus, and we can come blameless in Jesus and we can be devout as in you know devout is, is for another word is you know uh, disciplined in um, you, know, you think of a devout person like they are they are there like when you need them and when you don't need them like they're there um, and you think of just as, as just you know right you know you think of justice like I, I we, I treated you rightly, you know, and blameless, you know, it, it, uh, there was nothing in me that was towards any harm in you, you know, so he, he claims this boldly in Jesus, though, and that's what we got to know, and that's what we got to understand, is that Paul's not coming to them and saying that he was devout and just and blameless in and of himself, but he was a devout, just, and blameless and he's not just talking about himself here, but he's talking about Silvanus, you know, and, and the men that came with him. That all of them came to the Thessalonians in this way. And, but they came to them in this way in Jesus. Like, we can come to the world in this way with boldness, um, in our character, um, in Jesus. Uh, but that takes us doing this life in Jesus. You know, it takes us... You know, in prayer, in word, and um, in fellowship, to be continually uh, sanctified in who Jesus is. You know, to be continually washed in his word, to be able to then go forth and have his character shine forth through us, not ours. Um, So he's saying that this is how he came to those that believe. And as you know, we exhorted, comforted, and charged every one of you, as a father does, his own children. So we not only come gently, we not only come lovingly uh to the unbeliever, but we come in a way of exhortation, in a way of encouragement, uh in a way of comfort, in 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 kind of, of dusting off and, and keeping going, uh and we come in a way of charging, of urging them towards the, the, the right path, urging them towards Jesus. Uh and when I think of the when I think of this, you know. Uh, I used uh, to, back when I was younger, um, when my dad was still around, uh, I played baseball a lot, you know, and he would take me to practice. Uh, I didn't, my parents were divorced, um, so he would come by after work, pick me up early, take me to practice, and we would go to the batting cage before practice even started, you know. So, I and I can look at that, and I can really see, you know, my own dad just encouraging me in in this thing that I loved, encouraged me in going and, and doing batting practice even before practice started to then get better at this thing that I loved, you know and him taking his time to do so to encourage to to um, to spur forward towards the things that I wanted you know baseball and and not only that, but being there you know when I struck out you know to comfort me, to dust me off to be like you know it happens, just get back in there and 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 give it another go, you know, just keep your eye on the ball you know. Get uh, you know, get your stance right, get your grip right, and all those things. You know, comforting in that way of of just you know picking us up. <clears throat> and I could remember this. Uh, I wasn't a home run hitter. Like I wasn't a big hitter. You know, I was a I was a base hitter. You know, I would hit. I'd get on base, and then I was fast, and I'd run around and and steal a bunch, and then go home. You know, <laughs> uh, so that was my thing. But I this one time, this one game, I. Uh, I hit my my first and only home run. You know, we were losing to these guys, I think it was like 15 to 2 or something like that. It was really bad. It was a really bad game. They were really good. They were like probably twice our size, you know. They had, how, how can I make this sound any better for us? Um, but anyway, and I wasn't batting that good that day. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't doing very well. So they actually called, and, uh, and this sounds like a movie, but they actually did call, the outfield to come in closer because I wasn't just hit. I'm not a big hitter. They're like, he's not a big hitter. Come in. Um, so I, I remember, and I heard the coach, their coach say that, and it really made me mad. Um, so I just swung at this next ball as hard as I could. I mean, so hard that I closed my eyes. I don't even remember hitting it. Um, but I did hit it. And the way in which I hit it, it went so high, and it just didn't look like it was going out. And I just, I, I heard, I felt it. And all I did, I said, I never really looked at the ball when I hit it. I would just run as fast as I could to first. And and by the time I was like halfway to first, I would look up and see where the ball's at to see if I'm going to round it and then go to the second one. But I just just ran as fast as I could to first, and I ran through the first base bag. And I look up, and the ump's going like this. And that means, you know, for those that play baseball, you know, home run. You know, run around, keep running, because you just hit a home run. And I was astonished. I didn't know. I was just like... (laughs) I've never done that before. Like, this is what this feels like. You know, you can hit all these bags. So I ran around and I ran home. Well, my dad was at that game, you know. Um, And my mom said that as soon as that home run was hit, uh, he got up out of his chair and he walked all the way to where that ball went out of the park, grabbed it and brought it over to me. And, uh, you know, kissed me on the forehead. And my dad had a mustache at that time, you know, <laughs> that's just, you know, that's what he, I guess that was their error, that they wore mustaches. I might do that sometime for Judah. But anyway, he had a mustache at the time, and he kissed me on the forehead. And I still know to this day what that kiss feels like on my forehead, like that feel of that mustache, like on my forehead, of that, just that pride, that um, he was just so proud of me in that time, you know. He was encouraging me. He, he encouraged me. He comforted me. He charged me towards those things, you know. And I, I, I can feel it right now, you know, just talking about it. The, that kiss on my forehead, um, and that's what we are to to be, you know, for those that don't believe. That's what we are to be. We are to be that encouragement. We are to be that one that cares so deeply for them in their walk with the Lord that we would extend our lives in such a way that. We would just desire them to spurn on towards the things of the Lord, you know. And it's actually funny today. Uh, Judah doesn't really like my kisses now because of my beard, you know. Um, he, I'll go in, Kenja will tell you, I'll go in and I'll go to give him a kiss. And he'll go, no, 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 and kind of hit me away <laughs> and things like that. But I know one day, you know, it's going to be a distinct kiss, you know. Because there's a kiss from a mother, you know, of that soft face, that soft touch and then there's that kiss of a father you know of of that that rough beard that you know but it's that it's that kiss that comes along and says you know i'm proud of you you know you know keep going keep uh you know dusting you off and and you're going to get this and and you know that's the kiss of a father you know so we're to come we're to come in both those ways though as gentle as a mother but as encouraging as a father um cuz it's really you know it means a lot when, when a dad is encouraging you. You know, it mean, For some reason, it just means a lot when your dad is there and he's saying, he's cheering you or he's bringing you your home run ball. Like It just meant so much that he brought me that ball. You know, um, And that's how we're to be with, with the unbelievers. Um, and we see here in verse 12 that the reason why he came so gently as a mother and so encouraging as a father was for this, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into... His own kingdom and glory, for no other reason, for no selfish reasons, for no deceit, for no um, covetousness, for nothing else other than that you would walk worthy of God and the calling um, into his own and into his kingdom and glory, that you would just walk with God as simple as that and and, and for us, as we share the gospel our lives, you know, truth and love, as we share that with the unbelieving world, it's for no other reason reason than, than, than that they would have what we have, than that they would have this freedom, this joy, this peace, um, this ability to walk with the creator of the universe, to be able to be one with him um, as he is one, you know, be one with Jesus as he is one with the Father, as He as he so prayed in John 17, that oneness and eternal life, for no other reason than for that. And there truly is a joy that comes from it. Um, because when we really share something that is so important to us and so that brings us joy, we share it with those that are around us. It just, it it, it makes it more so. You know, it makes it more so in us and, and for the world that's around us. Um. <clears throat> so as we continue on here. So... Paul puts it out there. I didn't come to you like the world would come to you, but I came to you as, you know, gentle and in exhortation, you know, as a mother and a father would. And then here's where Paul now gets encouraged um, because he lays it out there. This is how we came and it wasn't in vain. You know, it wasn't for for nothing, you know. And and so we're going to read this next part and we'll see that there's nothing that brings... You know, an individual joy than when they share the word of God and it's received on the other end. You know, then then you see a life receive Jesus. You know, there's so let's read. He says, for this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which also effectively works uh, in you who believe. <clears throat> So there's one of two ways that the word of God is 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 received, and Pastor Steve uh, had mentioned it in in chapter one that there was this atheist that sat at this coffee bar and had read through the Bible 11 times, you know, and and when someone he put a sticker up on his thing that said basically God with the X through it, um, challenging Christians that come to him, and then the one question he would have is how many times did you read through the Bible, knowing that he probably read through the Bible most. Or more than any other, you know, average Christian. Um, but he read through that through, his, through the Bible 11 times. But the, And was still an atheist. And the problem with that is that as he was reading through it, he was reading through the Bible as just words on a page. He wasn't reading through the Bible knowing that it was the authoritative word of God um, that was speaking to him. That is what he was reading. And really that's, for the believer... It's to receive and accept the word of God as His authority, as His word. And for the unbeliever, it's to, it, to take uh, the words on these pages and to see them as words of men. You know, or or if we were to go and share with the world um, and I were to speak it, speak uh, truth to them, that they would take it as my word rather than God's word. And that's what really makes the difference. You know, how do we receive the word of God? Is it as the word of God, as it is in truth, or as just a story, you know, as just something made up by man on, on a page. Um, and that's what keeps the unbelievers, you know, and that's what keeps unbelievers as unbelievers, as they don't receive it as the word of God, as, 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 as truth. Um. <clears throat> but here we can see that Paul is so overjoyed, um, with the Thessalonians. And so encouraged by them. Because they did receive it in this way. And and like I was saying. If we were to share the word of, of God with someone. If we were to share the gospel with someone. And to see them. To see like the scales fall from their eyes. To see the heart soften. To see the receiving of Jesus Christ. You know. Is an encouragement. Um, because it's almost like. It is like we've added a family member. You know, we've added someone to the kingdom of God. I'm going to see you in eternity. Um, You no longer have to live with the weights of this world. You no longer have to live um, in the circumstances of this world. But you can live with an eternal mindset, with freedom, you know, with peace, with love. Um, And there's a joy that comes from that. So Paul's saying, you know, he's getting into this and talking about their conversion that, you know... You did receive, you know, and you received in, the, in this way. And 14 says, for you, um, for you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own country, uh, countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and had persecuted us. And they do not please God and are contrary to all men. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. And what he's, what Paul is now encouraging them in here is that, I mean, so the Thessalonians, you know, were persecuted in the same way. What he's saying here as the as the church in Judea, you know, they were ridiculed, um, they were beaten, they were. Rejected in every way um, by the religious leaders in that time, and he's saying, "Look, take courage. Like you're doing it right. You know they may say you're doing it wrong. You know you may be getting beat. You may be um, being rejected in this way or that way. But know that you are 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 doing what's right. Because if you look at Judea, it's exactly what was happening to them. If you look to Jesus, it's exactly what was happening to him. Um, Being so steadfast in the truth, the world will fight back and try to." Um, reject it because there's an accountability you know on our parts and if we were to receive the word of God we are now accountable um, to that word you know to either receive it or not receive it and he's saying here listen take courage Um, nothing's happening to you that hasn't happened to brothers before you know but know that they're going to try and say you're wrong they're going to they're going to try and say that you are contrary to God you know but know this, they are the ones that are contrary to God and they're actually contrary to all men because they're keeping the way to God from all men. Um, and that's really what he's saying here is, is they're contrary to all men because Jesus came in a way, uh, he came clothed his, his, himself in flesh, you know, lived that sinless life, was beaten, was taken to the cross, died and rose again. And the the one stipulation to come to God is now believing in Jesus Christ, and that's it. You know, it's not the rules and the regulations that the Pharisees are trying to put on you. It's not all those things. All those things, um, and trying to stay to that old system, not seeing that the, the law was fulfilled in Jesus, not seeing that the answer is Jesus and belief in Him, you know, makes them contrary to all men. Because they put on this, not just the Ten Commandments, but this laundry list of do's and don'ts, you know, they... Uh, the Jews at that time, the Pharisees had implemented to just weigh the people down, you know. Um, but he's saying, they may say that you're contrary to God, but know this, that they are contrary to all men. Because God came to all men. God didn't just come to the Jews, but he came to the Gentiles. They are the ones who are actually contrary. Um, so take take heart in that. Know that you are on the right path. Know that you are the ones that are actually sharing God's word, not these pharisaical, you know, law-doers, or lack of doing the law. Um, so he's encouraging them in that sense. <clears throat> so, as we continue on here, we're going to close out, um, and we're going to get to what we opened with. So verse 17 says, But we, brethren, having having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to be, to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again. But Satan hindered us, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? For you are our glory and joy. Now he starts off um, sharing there because he had been away from them for some time. Paul had been away from the Thessalonians at some time. And just the way in which he's talking with them um, in this letter, you can just see that there is this special relationship that he had with them. Um, uh, an intimate one, one of, of love and just, you know, a very special relationship. And with that though, you know, they missed Paul. You know, they wanted Paul to come back uh, to them and be within their midst so they can have this joy and rejoice together. And he's saying, you know, though I am not there in, in physical presence, you know, I am there in heart. And that's what we could all take heart in uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as, as being the church, is that, you know, we have uh, this ministry, you know, this, this church has missionaries abroad, has them, you know, in all parts of the world. Um, and though we're not physically there with them in presence, we are there with them in heart. Um, spurring them on to, to continue in the work that the Lord's called them to, you know, praying for them. Um, <laughs> and just, you know, we are now knit as one. And as it says in John 17, you know, that last part, you know, God, Jesus said, prayed to the Father, I desire that they be one as you and I are one. You know, we are one in heart. You know, we are one in purpose. We are one in truth in Jesus. And, and that's what Paul's encouraging them in. Just, I know it might Be hard that we're not together physically, that I'm not there face to face with you, but know that our hearts are one. You know, they are one in Christ Jesus, and we will always be together. And um, when we we step into eternity there again, you know, if not in this time, at that time, we will be together again, you know, with our Lord Jesus. And so he says, For what is our hope, or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. And that word joy there, you know, it's not happiness. Like, it's not you are our happiness. Because happiness is, is temporal and fleeting. You know, happiness is, is subject to the things of this, of this world. But joy really comes from within. So what Paul is saying here is, is, is you being there. And, and what he's talking about is the Lord's uh, second coming. Because, you know, as we, as we dive into to more of this book of Thessalonians, um, he's really going to encourage the church uh, here that Jesus is coming back. And that, you know, our, our faith it's not in vain, but it's in looking towards Jesus coming back and and bringing us up with him, you know him coming back and 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 having you know the new heaven, the new earth, like he's He's encouraging them that Jesus is coming back like this isn't the end like this 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 world, this here, this now is not it, but look forward to Jesus. Look forward to Jesus um, and it brings him joy uh, to know that they will be there. With Jesus, you know, when standing there, ready for him to return when he comes. Uh, And that hope, he says, he says, for what is our hope? And really, you become, so I used to work at a, uh, I used to work at a a rehab. And working at a rehab, you see a lot of people come in and out, you you know, you see a lot of people not get it. Uh, A lot of people will come in, spend 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, you know, do their time, go out, and then use again, you know, and and be doing exactly what they were doing. You know, but hope really comes with that one, you know, with that one person that really gets it, you know, with that one person that comes through that rehab and really takes, you know, the steps to then correct their lives, you know, um, really takes... um, really steps out and changes direction, changes from that drug life to, you know, a sober life, you know. That hope comes in, and, and it, it's very much so like a thankless job, you know. Um, and a very, if you allow it to get to you, a very tough job because you just, you, you know, you see a lot of people just continue on in, in a life towards death. And not only that, but you see a lot of people end up dying. You know, a lot of people end up overdosing. I've had, you know, three friends now um, die of overdosing, um, and, you know, it it was, you know, a stressful job, but in the same sense, that one story, that one person that gets it, you know, if just one gets it, it makes it all worth it. You know, it made it all worth it, the time that I spent there to share, you know, Jesus with the, with the guys that came through, um, it made it worth it for just the one, you know, and there is, and there is one, you know, I got, there's this guy that um, we had stayed in contact with and... You know he's doing really well now. He's he's got a wife. He's got a kid. You know he's he's not using. And you know the Lord really gave me, gave me him. You know to give me hope that, they, you know to spur me on. You know that this is. And, and the same sense here. You know Paul saying like like you gave us hope because. You know, you got it for every for everyone that received the word of God from Paul. You got to know that there was however many more that didn't receive it. You know, and, and the discouragement that comes along with that of of going from place to place, sharing God's word, and and people not receiving, people not getting it. You know, uh, Paul is writing to the Thessalonians here, just saying like, thank you, thank you for getting it, because. It gave me joy. It, it spurned me on in hope to know that, that this word is not going out void, but it's going out with the power of God, you know, and, and the gospel is being received. He's saying thank you, you know. And not only that, but, but I now look forward to being to standing there face to face with the Lord with you. You know, like you are our glory and our joy. Um and really in Revelation 4, uh, 10 through eleven, it talks about the twenty-four elders and they cast crowns before the Lord uh, and say, you know, worthy, worthy is 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 the Lord. Um, he's the only one that's worthy, and they take their crowns and they cast them before the Lord. And and, and Paul says, you you are our crown of rejoicing. And if I and if I think about it, you know, and this is just this is just me thinking about it, and and. Uh, you know that crown that's upon our heads that we, um, as we go into heaven, and the jewels that are on it. Like, you got to know, like, those are there because of the souls that we've touched. You know, because of the souls that we've touched. So he's saying, he's saying, you are my crown. Like, you are my reward in heaven. Like, when we are, when we make our way to heaven, and you know, all the things are burned away, and we're rewarded. We're rewarded with with the lives and the souls. You know, this is, of of that are now with God, you know, like you are our reward, like I don't do this, Paul's saying, I don't do this for any other reason, than that you would be there with Jesus, as I am there with Jesus, um, and the world finds that hard, they find it hard, because that's, it's selflessness, you know, and the world is not selfless, it's selfish, you know, it, it demands, it takes, it it, it wants, you know, it, it'll, it'll do something for you, if you do something for it, you know, um, and what Paul's saying here is, I do it for one thing and one thing alone, that you would have Jesus as I have Jesus. That you would have uh, eternal life as I have eternal life. That's what that's what spurns him on, that's what that's what keeps him going, you know, and that's what should keep us going. That's what that should be our intention, that should be our heart. Our heart should be as gentle, you know, as a mother and as encouraging as a father to take this gospel and to share it with the world around us, desiring nothing else other than that they Would have what we have. Um, Joy. Peace. Love. Eternal life. The answer. You know. The answer. We have the answer. So. Paul is saying. You are our glory. And you are our joy. Let us. You know. Today. In this time. As we leave this place. May we take this gospel with us. And may we share it with the world around us. That so desperately needs it. In a way that isn't. That isn't aggressive that isn't beating over the head with the bible but that is gentle that is in love that is in desiring that person to know jesus in the way that we know jesus to 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 know freedom in the way that we know freedom um and to take that word and to share it as it's been shared with us freely you know without cost uh without having to pay for you know um There was a cost, and that cost was Jesus. But Jesus paid that cost. We can freely receive it. So as we freely receive it, we are to freely give it to the world that's around us that so desperately needs it. Um, So Paul here, he was encouraged. He is encouraged by the Thessalonians. And so should we be encouraged by those in our lives that are around us that we've seen receive Christ, that we've seen receive the Word of God. Um, may we continue to, to share it because it, we aren't to receive it and to just hold on to it and keep it for ourselves. But we are to receive it and to give it out. Um, and that's really what should spur us on. So really what the Lord showed me in this time was share what you have with those around us and share it because of the joy that it brings you. So as it brings us joy, may we share that joy with the world. Um, so I'll have the worship team come back up. And I'll pray, and as we leave this place, let's just let's be as Paul was, so passionately desiring to share the Word of God um, in the way that Jesus was so passionately in love with us to come and to save us.